Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. I'm excited that you are joining me once again. Uh, I, I know you had other options. I, I know that there are other podcasts out there. There's other things you could be doing, but you decided to spend your time. You made the decision. You, it, this was conscious right here, and that's a beautiful thing. So I appreciate it, and I appreciate you always tuning in with me as I uh, I have my feet up on a, what do you call these uh, chair, not chairs, table. Uh, uh, oh, there's a name for it, right? I got my feet propped up, and I have a, a fireplace going on on a, on a big screen because uh, it's much cheaper than a real fireplace and safer, by the way. I like to, if you've never done this, go on YouTube. When I stay in hotels, and I think I mentioned this before, and uh, instead of watching television, usually a lot of modern day hotels will have uh, YouTube channels. And uh, I just pull up, I go to a, a fireplace video, and then it just, I, I know there's no heat coming off of it. I know it's not real, but it feels real. It feels, it just makes the place feel warmer. It makes uh, a hotel room feel like a home. And uh, you, you gotta, wherever you are, that, that's, that's what's fascinating about human beings. No matter where we go, we have to find a way to make our space feel like home. You know, uh, like I remember when going off to college and you know you get you get your dorm room for the first day, and in me, I mean, you're so. It's not like you, you would think you would just drop your stuff, and, and go and try to make friends and, and go check out the campus. But that's not what you do. You immediately are trying to uh, uh, set up your environment in a way that uh, you think is going to work for you. And of course, when you're in college, you. Your room changes 8 million times, right? Posters up, posters down, bunk beds up, bunk beds down. Um, uh, the beanbag chair is, of course, the staple. And you got your lava lamp and all that. But we, we're always trying to make, uh, uh, have a sense of home. If you work in an office, you know, especially you have your, your little cubicles all stacked up next to or lined up next to each other. And everybody has the, the photos of their family or uh, places they want to go on vacation, little quotes. Uh, I remember I had an office in graduate school and I didn't put anything up on the walls because I was like, I don't want to because I didn't want to be there. I hate it. I've always hated being in an office, even though as a kid, I thought I wanted to be in an office. Um, so. Wherever you are, I, I can't emphasize that to you enough. Make it home. It, 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 ask you, ask you, look around, look around where you are right now, whether it's your car or your house or your office, uh, wherever it is, does it, is there a feeling of home or there, I understand, I never used to understand like the pictures of family and friends. I never understood that. Um, but as I, I'm getting older, I understand uh, having just adding a plant, the difference, adding a, a, even if it's a tiny plant, just something to take care of, uh, that 
could could make a place feel so much like home um, versus, you know, something living, something breathing, something that you have to take care of, right? A little fish tank, kids with a little goldfish in there, get you some of that. Um, today, we're going to talk about the uh, 13 reasons why. Um, they've just made a decision to edit out uh, a suicide scene. It's a very graphic suicide scene that they decided to edit out. And they're, and I, I feel like people were split. People weren't sure. You know, some people were like, definitely do not show a graphic suicide scene. Um, and the other people were like, no, people need to see how real it is and how visceral it is and how painful it is uh, to take your life and or to complete suicide. And I hadn't said much about it because even my, I myself wasn't sure how I really felt and then how to articulate uh, those feelings uh, until now, until today. And so I'm going to talk about a couple things uh, around that because I think that's the way all discussion should be. I, instead of us just honing in on one thing, there's how much of a 360 view can we get on this? How many pieces of the puzzle uh, can we can we add to this so we can get uh, a clear picture of what's going on? Um, I'm going to go back a little bit uh, into high school. And I was talking about college a second ago. Uh, but in high school and, and, and for some of you, maybe even in middle school, uh, Romeo and Juliet, Romeo and Juliet, that's they they took they fell in love. These are two little lovebirds who fell in love. And uh, for this reason and that I never read it, uh, so I'd be more detailed about the story, <laughs> even though I was supposed to read it like two or three times. Uh, that and To Kill a Mockingbird. Could, I was supposed to read that in sixth grade, uh, sophomore year, and then I think uh, in college, and I never read it. I digress. But that that was a story uh, that ultimately ended in uh, the couple taking their life. And at no point were schools or parents or anyone saying, we shouldn't tell this story. Kids will start taking their life uh, if they if they can't love the person that they want to love, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason is this, and and because uh, I want to tie that into uh, thirteen reasons why. The reason is is not only were kids reading about two people completing suicide, they were doing it together as a group, as a class, and then processing their thoughts, feelings, emotions, the, the story with uh, an adult, with a teacher. And they knew, and we knew we had that opportunity. We knew we had that outlet to discuss it. So when you no, you know, you have to do a report on it. You, you have to do critical thinking. The teachers would ask you, you know, should they have done it? Should they not have done it? 
there were all types of discussions that explored and peeled back all the different layers uh, that were uh, within this story. And with 13 reasons why, we have the exact opposite. We have children, young children, uh, uh, even you know teenagers, college-age students, uh, some adults, and probably a lot of adults who are watching it because their kids are watching it, who are watching this alone, alone, isolated, uh, in their rooms, and they're binge-watching this. And then there's really no one personally or directly to talk to this about. They, they may have... They may find, of course, there's a million message boards. There are tons of, I'm sure, Facebook groups and online services for these kids to tap into and uh, express themselves, uh, express themselves through. But there's nothing more powerful than doing it with other people physically, knowing that. Uh, once a week or every other day, um, your the classes, your group is going to come together and discuss this. This is why they. This is why adults have book clubs. I mean, a lot of adults have book clubs because you know they, they want to get their little drink on and and do some gossiping. But it's also because uh, when you when we read a story. We're filtering it through our experiences and through, um, you know, our lens. And and so you're only going to see certain angles. You're not going to get the 360 view. But when you read it with others and others start to share their input and their perspective, you start to see, uh, you know, different perspectives and get different ideas. So then uh, it you're not stuck in your own swamp of, of, of ideas and feelings and emotions. There's, you're allowing it to breathe. Your emotions become a river. There's this back and forth. And, and, and if something really um, disturbed you or hurt you, you had someone that um, could maybe shine some light on it or make you laugh at it. And you go, oh, yeah, I didn't realize how ridiculous that was. Because, you know, even in... A lot of scenes, um, and no matter what you're watching, there's always, you know, if you're paying attention, you watch it a few times, you realize how ridiculous something is. You know, at first it strikes you emotionally, and then as you watch it more, you know, over and over, and you watch a movie, you know, 10, 20 times, you're, you're more objective and more detached from it. So then you can pick up subtle nuances, and some people get there quicker than others. So, uh, my point is, is that kids today, even adults today, we're, we're processing and watch or absorbing and consuming shows like 13 Reasons Why uh, in a more isolated fashion. And then there's not a place for us to explore our, our thoughts and emotions in a, in, in a safe environment. And what, what I mean by safe is that even though Kids, of course, are surrounded by adults. 
they don't know who it's okay to talk with this about, right? Because if I'm thinking, if I'm a kid and I, and I bring this up to an adult, to a teacher or whatever, uh, about how I was disturbed by this, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't know what that adult's going to do. Maybe that adult is uh, going to call my parents who I don't want to talk about this with, or, um, uh, they're going to send me to the school psychologist and then that's on my record. And then maybe, um, you know, I, I apply for college and they go, Oh, this person was talking about suicide. And I, like there's so many things that go through a, a kid's mind that we're probably not aware of that, um, it, it's imperative for a show like 13 reasons why to exist, but it's also imperative that if you're a kid who's watching it to make sure that you have friends or groups or uh, someone in place for you to process the episodes with good or bad episodes because let's be honest it's not just the suicide scenes that are graphic the bullying scenes the the um you know, the, 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 uh, the drug use, all those things are, are triggering and hurtful and harmful and disturbing for so many different reasons. The ostrich, uh, you know, the tribal mentality and, uh, you know, people, people ganging up on other people and, and feeling like a burden. And all, there's so many different things that, that are disturbing and troubling in a show like 13 Reasons Why. And you you need to, f to make sure that you have a person that you can go to and parents need to have a way to talk to their kids about it. And I understand if you're in a parent and you're an adult and you're like, well, I don't know how to talk to my kid about this. What do I say? It's not about everybody thinks, oh, what do I say? It's not about saying something. It's about listening. I'm going to say it again. It's not about saying something as much as it is about listening, as much as it is about you exploring your your kids' emotions, as much as that meaning, you know, your kid says, you know, uh, I, I just saw 13 Reasons Why, uh, 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 you know, I'm scared now, or uh, I'm really angry, or whatever their emotion is, and your job is not to fix that. Your job is not to fix their feelings. Your job is to help them sit in their emotions and explore the other emotions. You know, it's like, tell me more about that and, and validate their feelings. If they're if it upsets them and you go, yeah, I'd be upset, too. You know, if such and such happened, if, if it scares them, be like, that is scary. I'd be scared, too. And then exploring more feelings. You're clicking through all of their emotions until they have reached neutral. And then you can t go a little bit deeper the next day. Once they have settled down or calmed down, you know, the next day. And that's the reason why I haven't watched 13 Reasons Why. Because I knew... It would be disturbing. And I don't, I know some people who are watching it, but nobody's really like Game of Thrones. 
we all are watching we all watch Game of Thrones and we were we were kind of watching that together. And if you weren't watching it, something was wrong with you and we didn't talk to you. You were ostracized, you were banished, you were on the other side of the wall. But 13 Reasons Why is, I don't, you know, I'm 43. There, so there's not a lot of, uh, only people I know, only adults I know watching are the ones with kids who are watching this. And uh, and people say I should watch it because of my podcast. But I started to watch it and I'm like, this is just it's crappily made. It's not, I'm not going to watch a show just because of the subject matter. Um, is when it's not um, it's not well made. It looks it, it feels cheap and and uh, and uh, just uh, doesn't have a it, it doesn't interest me. You know, in terms of the the age group and uh, the other stories. But um, but you don't have to watch the show to understand the impact of uh, a graphic suicide scene having not just on kids but also adults. Uh, I'd encourage adults, and, and don't think that because you're an adult that you should be able to watch this and uh, be okay. It, you you, sh- you should not be okay. You should definitely be yourself processing what you're watching, what you're seeing with other adults and sharing those emotions. Right now, I have friends watching... Um, Handmaid's Tale, which has some very graphic scenes in it. I haven't watched it just because of that, but uh, I I can't. But I, I would only way I would watch that is if I had a group of friends who we were watching it together, so that I, I could sleep at night. There's no way I could watch something like Handmaid's Tale and then be able to sleep. It. It's too close to home. It feels like it could really happen, and uh, I don't need those feelings being conjured up right before bedtime. I'm gonna read uh, Moby Dick. I'm gonna journal. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stretch my hips <laughs> and uh, do a little gratitude list. Light light some uh, patchouli. Was it patchouli? I'm gonna take a a, a Dead Sea salt uh, hot bath. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some self care before bed. I'm not watching Handmaid's Tale uh, at night. I'm, I wouldn't even watch it in the middle of the day. It's just way too disturbing uh, for me to uh, absorb and consume alone. That is not healthy. And nor would I want to watch that with maybe uh, you know if my girl wanted to watch it, then we you know we'd watch it together and. But that's not. I'd I'd rather us watch uh, our planet or something uh, cool or something that we uh, more aspirational or educational. But but that is uh, that that's a scary thing. But at the same time, if you are watching it, like I said, don't. It, it shows like Handmaid's Tale and Thirteen Reasons Why. Uh, they bring up a lot of emotions. They bring up a lot of fears and anxieties that you should definitely be processing with someone else. As an adult, you are not immune. You understand what I'm saying? So um, with kids, if you have a kid, just say, I understand. I understand how you feel. That is the most important sentence 
one of the most important sentences you can say to your child. Uh, I understand how you feel and uh, how you can communicate that to yourself. I like to, to validate your own feelings, right? Like if you're, if you're scared about something, take time to process why you would be scared versus saying, I shouldn't be scared versus saying, I shouldn't be anxious or I shouldn't be upset. No, take time to honor that emotion. It's there for a reason. And that's how we can handle that in, uh, safely. There was, uh, I had, oh, there was a minor tremor here, I think, just now down the podcast. It's so weird um, living in L.A. And you're just, uh, you know, it's beautiful. The sun shines, the birds are singing, palm trees. But at any moment, it could all just <laughs> collapse. And it's such a weird thing. And I think what's even weirder, I'm sorry for digressing, but like I said, I just uh, felt a slight tremor. The, it's, and we're, and, but that's how great California is. That's how great Los Angeles is. They were like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Even, you know, I was here for the 7.1 or the 6.5, both of those. And none of those had me thinking, oh, I got to get out of town. It was like, Okay, that was a thing, and we're we're gonna carry on. It was like, all right, carry on. You know what I mean? It's like you see a car accident, and we, we take care of it. Whoever has to go to the hospital, boom, 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 and we move on. But all right, so, uh, but but that's all I want to say for uh, thirteen reasons why. In terms of create a space, talk to the schools. If if uh, you know. Talk if you have kids in school, talk to the schools about creating a group or a Facebook group or a live group or just letting the kids know that there's a space for them to process the show, to process their feelings, and that it won't have any bearing on their record or um, any any consequences or anything like that. A lot of, a lot of kids want to talk, but they're just not sure who to talk to. And, and don't accept fine. When someone, if you ask someone how they're doing, don't, and they say fine, that's not acceptable. I was at the, the Comedy Magic Club, and this, uh, and, 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 you know, usually people are like, hey, how you doing? And you go, oh, I'm good, or whatever. And one of my boys was like, how is your heart and soul? I was like, what? I was like, man, you can't be asking nobody that. Man, I got I was like 10 minutes away from performing for the show. I was like, don't be asking me these deep, profound, reflective questions uh, right before uh, I get on stage. Now you have time to be thinking about that. But it was a great question. How is your heart and soul? And that, that really forces you to look inside. To, to, to answer uh, that the question of how are you from a, a deeper place. Um, my buddy who um, uh, has, he has a podcast called The Mental Illness Podcast, which is a great podcast, Paul Gilmartin. And the question he loves to ask is, who do you feel like you have to be to be here with me right now? I'm going to ask that question again. 
Who do you feel like you have to be to be here with me right now? That to me is such a powerful question um, for a, a number of reasons in that so many of us are walking around with this and I'm guilty of it too. We're walking around with this, um, with a veil, not veil is not the right, but we have different, uh, personas and, and masks and, and, and armors and, um, and like we're, and we're just trying to be something that we're not, we're trying to be more than what we really want to be, whether it's, um, you, you're, you're aspiring to be A, B, and C, but really you're doing it for your parents or you're doing it to show off for somebody else or you think this will impress someone. And we're all doing these things because we want the, because we want to be accepted and we want to be liked. So we think we have to be funnier than we are or we have to be angrier than we are. Or we have to be cooler or whatever. I, I have a friend who, you know, had a breakdown because he 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 wants to be the cool kid and it it, it is such a um i guess a burden is not the right word but it's such a weight such a, a thing to carry to 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 walk around feeling like you can't be cool or you just can't be present you can't be who you are that you always have to put on this um, this costume, this face, and and be something that you're not. And we all do it, you know. If, if I'm hanging around, like when I'm on stage, um, I'm more animated. Uh, when I'm talking, when you when you're playing with kids, you know, you, you act, you know, childlike. You you you, you know, you, you you we're adaptive beings, right? Uh, depending on situation, if if you're a manager or a boss. Then you 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 kind of play like what you think. What would a boss be doing? What would a manager say? And so we're kind of like trying to play these roles, and instead of just being ourselves in all the roles, right? We're trying to think of, oh, what does society expect of somebody in this position, and and then we try to live up to that versus how do I want to be in this? Like how do I want to parent? How do I want to uh, be a, a husband, a father, uh, a friend, a boss, a manager versus, oh, well, this is what managers do. And then trying to live up to that. That's a lot of work. You already got work to do. You already got stuff to do. And now you're reading a magazine or a book and you're, you're trying to be this thing uh, based off what the book or magazine said. Like, that's not healthy, and you can't maintain that. Um, and and then what happens is you, you, we're, we're walking around trying to live up to what society says is, uh, uh, you know, what a man is and what a woman is and what a, uh, a, a parent is and what a child is and blah, blah, blah. And then um, at some point you drop the veil. And then people look at you like, oh, who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. You've changed. 
that's right. We get you get to that point where it's like you've changed. And it's like, no, this is this is me. This is the real me. I, I was trying to be this other thing, and it's not it's not who I am. And so we have to work on being more authentic, more real. And and it starts with that question of who do you think you have to be to be here with me now? And you'll see people's shoulders drop. You'll see them take that breath and be like, oh, man, I want I, I, Wow. And and then that's where connections happens. That's where uh, that's where the intimacy starts. That's when the real dialogue starts to happen. And you and you know it's a real dialogue. You can you can you can feel when there's just this smooth back and forth. Right? And but we have to create space for people to do that. that this idea that um, you have to go, like, uh, safe space is uh, a physical thing like a church or the, the therapist office. Like, oh, oh, those are the only places. No, right where you are, right where you are right now, in your car, in your cubicle, in your bed, these are all safe spaces right where you are. And you can create that right where you don't have to go out to the woods, even though I do encourage you to. Obviously, get out there in a little nature, you know, dip your foot, dip your foot in some water. Get get you, you know, walk on some on some rocks, you know, splash, splash a little bit up on your face. Hear the birds singing. I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's a grizzly bear out there. Maybe, but probably not. I think you're good. You know? Maybe there's a coyote, but that's okay. That's just just a little, you know, nature's nature's neighbors. You know what I mean? Get you get that get that breeze coming across your face. Playing some dirt. When was the last time you played? But you get your hands in some dirt. You know? So yeah, get out there. But it, it starts with the questions. It's not about, this goes back to what I was saying in the beginning. It's not about what are we saying to each other. It's what are we asking each other? It's the question, it's the questions that, like when you watch Law and Order, CSI, you know, that's how they they break people down. And I'm not saying, you know, you're trying to break, but that's how we really get to know someone. That's how we, we get through the layers is, through questions, not through all these statements, you know. If you're watching 13 Reasons Why, I I would say don't binge it. And I know they're on the third, I think they're on the third season now. This this idea of of, of binge watching TV, if you're gonna do that, like I said, do it in a group. Everything is not about efficiency. Everything is not about like doing things quickly, uh, and, and you know, and the whole Facebook adage of break things fast. Everything can't be about that. Some things need to be cooked, 
uh, in the oven. Uh, some things need to be cooked overnight. I forget, I forget, but like there's a show on Netflix called uh, a docu series called uh, Chef's Table, and man, like all right, so I love tea, love tea, and you can make tea in a matter of seconds now, right? You get the little make some hot water, put the bag in there, done. But back in the day, they would put uh, tea and water. And put it out on the windowsill all day. And let that sun cook it. Let that sun get up in there, right? And then you'd have your tea later on in the evening. But now we want we want things real fast. Great things take a while. And they're only great in groups. I'm 43 right now. I think part of the reason why I'm emphasizing this, I'm 43. Um... I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow. I'm excited. Going to Hawaii tomorrow. And I I love traveling. But I've traveled to so many places alone that I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to travel alone. It's not as much fun. And, and yes, I meet cool people and have some uh, cool experiences. Um, I definitely do not want to undo or take back anything that I've done. However... There's just something more rewarding about traveling with someone else and, and having those stories to share with another person and and knowing that you don't have to have it all together. When I travel and, and I go hiking and even though I do a lot of it alone, there's always a part of me that like I know I forgot something. And when you're with someone else, you, you're, you're pretty confident that whatever you forgot, they have, and vice versa, right? And so you feel safer, and it encourages you to go further. It encourages you to take more of a risk to, 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 to do more things that you otherwise would not have done alone because you have this other person with you, and you know that they have resources and skills and, and knowledge and and things that you don't have, and, and they complement each other. And if you figure, if if there's a uh, an accident, only one of you will get hurt. Like if if there's a uh, if if there's a, a snake bite or a bear attack, only one of you are going to be attacked and killed. And then the other one can go get help, and so hopefully you'll live. But you're you're willing to take that chance. You're like, oh, I got a 50-50 chance. Where if you're by yourself, you go. I have zero chance of surviving anything. I just listened to this uh, podcast about this guy being bit by a snake or a rattlesnake. And within the f- first minute of being bit by a rattlesnake, he, um, what happened? He, uh, he started diarrhea and vomiting all within the first minute. Like, it, and I couldn't believe how fast something like that hits your system, right? So, um, I I was terrified. And, uh, oh my God, uh, my brain just froze. It's so late at night that that I'm recording this. But, but yeah, but my point is like, I want to do things with other people. And, and, uh, and doing things alone is just not as fun. And then, 
you don't have anybody to share those uh, those memories with. So watch TV with a group, hike with a group, make a friend, pen pals, whatever. And I know some of you, because of where you live, like that, that's a challenge. It can't be done. All right. So I want to share something with you from... Uh, um, I have, I have a million things I want to share. All right. So one, I want to talk right really quickly about uh, regret. And this is coming from the New York Times. And I thought this was really great because a lot of us have regrets. Um, I know I have a couple of regrets for sure. But at the same time, I'm thankful for all of my experiences because then I wouldn't be here now. And I don't know if I had it to do all over again. I would do it because things could be worse. That's what I tell myself. Like, that's how I handle the feelings of regret is, you know, because when we look back, we go, man, if I just did this, if I just, uh, you know, put money in Google or if I said hi to that girl or if we got married, blah, 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 then my life would be so much better. We always think that if we have to do it all over again, our life would be better now. And I think that adds to the pain of regret, right? But I like to think that maybe my life would have been worse. Much worse. Like maybe I'm not even here today for whatever, whatever reason. And the reason is like I watched that show Big Little Lies. And I'm like, no spoilers. No spoilers. There's a part where she says, I stayed, she goes, I stayed when, oh, when I was happy, I stayed because I was happy. And she's talking about being in an abusive relationship. So I'm going to go back to the quote. She said, uh, when, I, when I was happy, I stayed because I was happy. And when I was depressed, I stayed because I was depressed. And, and my point is, is that, you know, you, I forgot what my point was. Oh my God, my, my brain is so fried right now. But we, we think that things would have been better and sometimes they could have been much worse, way worse. And I have, you know, man, I, I had a point for why I brought that up and I was going to tie it into something beautiful, but I forgot. I'm sorry guys, it's late at night. I'm trying to record this podcast before my flight tomorrow uh, in Hawaii because I'm not sure if I'll be able to I've never been to Hawaii and I know it's America but in my head it's not it's not America like it's just weird to call Hawaii America because you get over there and it's and the you know it's not like they, they're so there's some moments it's an island it's, it's five and a half hours like you understand what I'm saying um, it, it, uh, it's like uh, Alaska like what all right that's weird uh, so I don't know what to expect and I just I want to make sure that I had this episode up and ready and uh, side note I'm excited about um, two of the episodes the, the episode after this with uh, uh, Jordan Reed from Ramshackle Glam uh, I talked to her earlier today and recorded that and and that's gonna be uh, a lot of fun you guys we were we were like, just best friends from the beginning 
of the episode to the end and we hadn't even uh, met before. Uh, and I share uh, probably way too much in that episode, but there's no such thing. It's all about over talking. So that's going to be great. And then I met someone today who, uh, don't worry, I'm going to come back to this whole thing about regret. Uh, and then I met someone today at when I was leaving Barnes and Noble buying a book uh, and she was reading a book and I was like, oh, that's a great book. And then we just started talking and uh, and it turns out she's a school psychologist. So uh, I'm going to have her on. Her name is Tani. I forget her. La or Garcia. Tani Garcia. So look out for those two episodes. Those will be uh, one was a school psychologist. And then the others with uh, Jordan Reed, who is uh, an author. She wrote a book about anxiety um, and also has a blog called Ramshackle Glam. So look out for those two things. Um, all right. So back to this New York Times article, which I love and because they're talking about regret is the first step to handling regret is admit that you regret something, right? Like you're imprisoned by this if you're not willing to admit regret about your past yet. And when you do have the opportunity to make more balanced time choices now, you don't take them. When perhaps, like when perhaps your children ask you why you weren't around when they were young, you won't confess that you're secretly remorseful about opportunities you may have lost by not having a handle on your time management. You might think something like this Surely, I rarely saw my kids awake when they lived at home, but I got promoted faster than anyone else in my division. You may, end quote, you may even be resistant to taking personal responsibility for your actions in the present because of a hangover from the past. You might think something like, well, my wife would like me home for dinner now that the children are gone. I could do that, but then I, I might need to explain why I didn't make it home for dinner for the last 25 years. I don't want to have to do that now. So what you're really avoiding is there are times and stages of life when we really don't have a choice about working longer hours, right? Uh, but there are cases when you really did have a choice and when your choice to not manage your time hurt people you care about and who care about you. In those cases, defensiveness, um, is in the form of righteous indignation or an innocent victimhood in an attempt to ward off perceived attack feels like it's protecting you, but really it's keeping you jailed. So defensiveness is keeping you jailed. And a way to break free of those chains of being overly defensive um, is some self-forgiveness. Own and admit your past mistakes and then Forgive yourself. This could sound like, I forgive myself for not planning my time well and missing significant events in my children's lives. Or, I forgive myself for not setting boundaries with works my marriage and health suffered. Once you look honestly at your past reality, you can turn your attention to the present and make changes. Right? Now, you might think, why even get started? Why even, why even look at your regrets doesn't make a difference because you're probably thinking like, why bother? I'm so behind that nothing I do will really make a difference. And that, my friends, is called learned helplessness, which may be another one of your prisons. 
I, I myself, I definitely have a learned how I keep this running thing in my head of if I just did this, uh, or I need this person be, before I can move forward, I would be so I, I like, you know, it's like I have a, my website, my social media, and there's so many things that I definitely could do by myself that, um, that, uh, I, or, or do better. And I'm like, ah, uh, I, I, I can't do this. I can't learn this. I can't learn how to build a website. I can't figure out uh, the new uh, social media algorithms, but for sure I can because I've learned uh, the past algorithms and I've built web websites and I've built other things and, and taught myself how to do uh, a number of things. And we just forget about our past successes and the things that, that we've done. Uh, and then we, and we get to a point where we just think that uh, we need so much, we're just helpless, right? Um, and that doesn't mean that you do everything yourself. You, it's not, it's not, learning helplessness is not the same as asking for help. Learning helplessness is just not doing anything, not taking any action, not asking for help and not doing it yourself because you just think that, uh, doing anything is just, uh, useless, right? Um, so the way to break free from that is to try something, anything. Don't focus on whether the trying gets you great results or even any results at all. Just be happy you did something. Open that project document you've been avoiding for weeks and read it for 15 minutes. You'll be 15 minutes further along than you were before. Sometimes getting started means everything, and you never know. Once that 15 minutes has passed, you may be engaged enough to spend another 15 minutes on it. Right? Um... And, and that's just begin. My buddy, Alan Havey, who I had on a previous podcast, he has this sign on his uh, uh, desk, on his work desk that says, begin. That's it. It is not get it done. It's not complete it or finish it. Just begin. Because once you begin, the, the momentum of beginning just keeps going. It, uh, the hardest part is sitting down to do the work. The hardest part is sitting down to meditate. Just begin the thing that you wanted to do, right? Um, because what really happens then is from our past, like, we become paralyzed. We become, like, like we allow these mistakes from our past to paralyze us, and, and that puts us uh, in a prison. You know, it's like if you start to move forward, but then the consequences of your past time management mistakes make you feel so badly that you stop. You can't concentrate because all you think is, if I only hadn't wasted so much time, I would be so much further along. I can't believe that I let things get this bad, right? And what you're really avoiding um, is the pain of reality, the wasted time, money, and opportunity, and the fact that your actions led to that reality. And it can be harsh to face. The way to, to break free from that, that reality, that prison, um, is to allow, uh, I'm sorry, wait. Um, oh, you can choose to use regret as a positive force in your life and learn what not to do. So when a self-critical thought comes up like, I really screwed up. I can't believe how far behind I am on this project. You can think, yes, I'm behind because of my past choices, 
but I don't want to get any further behind, so I'm going to commit the time I can to moving ahead on it now. If I do what I did before, I will only make the situation worse. And that's exactly how I am with food. Like, I'll be like, well, I already ate like 20 cookies, so I might as well eat 40 cookies, and then some ice cream, and some popcorn, and da 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 it's like we go, it's like, or even with YouTube or, you know, it's like you watch two or three uh, YouTube videos and it's past your bedtime. You're like, well, I'm already 10 minutes past my bedtime. I might as well go an hour past my bedtime. And it's ridiculous uh, thinking. The, um, and then the last way uh, we get stuck in this jail of regret is, uh, is uh, we just feel unworthy. Right. Like some of us, like we feel guilty from time to time over missed opportunities and to do's we never got around to. However, guilt may be your own prison if you neglect to set boundaries with people because you may have messed up in the past. So maybe you are doing good work now, but you know that you wasted quite a bit of time last year. You feel guilty for not having met expectations and worry about being found out. Because you feel regret over those time management choices, you answer work phone calls at 10.30 p.m. or stay plugged into your email all weekend. You don't feel worthy of honoring your own needs. But what you're really avoiding is conflict or the potential of it. Because you feel uncomfortable about past events, you allow yourself to be controlled by other people. You want to avoid upsetting them and to prove your worth. You fear setting a boundary and then having them bring up past mistakes or try to use those mistakes as leverage against you today. The way to break free from this feeling of unworthiness, right, is once you've made things as right as possible from the past, you are free to leave the jail of regret and to move on. You have the right to decide what is or is not good for you. And a little conflict now to take control of your time will save you even more conflict later. You must have the courage to set boundaries to make wise time management choices in the present and to have a sustainable, healthy lifestyle in the future. All right. So that to me was real powerful because I know I definitely... Uh, you know, I have these feelings of unworthiness. And then I like, oh, oh, speaking of 1030, <laughs> it's like it's 11 o'clock at night right now as, I, as I'm recording this. But, you know, this is uh, it's important to me to be consistent with the uploads of the podcast on Monday and Thursday. It's important to me to hold my, myself accountable because I know that if I go, well, it's late, you know, I know I start put one out every Monday, but, and, but, you know, I'm tired. My fear is that, excuse me, you're, of course, you're at the yawn. My fear would then be that um, I start to cut myself more slack. And then, uh, you know, I skip Monday and I'm like, oh, I'll put it out Tuesday. And then I skip Tuesday, oh, I'll put it out Wednesday. And then I was putting it out once a week and it just becomes this uh, downward spiral. And so I acknowledge that I did not um, manage 
my time properly. And that's basically what the article is saying is that a lot of our regret comes from us not managing our time properly, us not setting appropriate boundaries with other people. Uh, and, and if we own that, if we admit to that, if we are aware of it even, then we can uh, uh, move on and learn from. We, it gives it's not like this is a learning moment for me right now because I never want to be up this late again recording a podcast because my brain is not sharp. Like, you know, it's like usually if you if you if you were shooting this, if I was recording this in the middle of the day, my brain was sharper. Um, and but or I, I felt a little slower sluggish, then I could drink some green tea or you know, like the the, the um there's light outside. I've had the, the sun keeping me awake, but it's nighttime and I'm in the, I'm in the leather couch and I got the fireplace going and everybody's in bed. And, uh, and, I, and I'm like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta do this podcast, which is great because this is fulfilling. Um, it, it kind of, it not kind of, but it gives me, um, I don't want to say hope is not the word, but it it it, it makes it's like it gives me uh, it forces me to hold myself accountable, and it forces me to look at how I'm spending time. Because if you have too much freedom, then you don't realize how much time you're wasting. Whereas if you have uh, multiple projects and things that you have to coordinate. Then you start to see, oh, I need to manage my time better uh, because this is affecting that and affecting that and affecting this. So you, you actually become better at your time management and uh, because I'm taking the, um, um, when you have situations like this where you go, well, I really regret recording this so late. But now I'm like, oh, I really have to look at how I'm managing my time so that this doesn't become uh, a habit, right? The last thing I want to share with you guys, what I want to, what I want to leave you with. Uh, oh, okay. All right. So last two things I want to share with you. And one is super random. This is ridiculously random. But my friend talked to me about uh, she, when she was in Mexico, like eight, nine years ago. And I don't know if this is still a thing today. For those of you out there who are listening may know this. But people in Mexico carry two cell phones and one is because kidnap well the reason is because kidnapping so rampant down there that if a kidnapper calls you and says that they've taken your tia or your uh mijo then you would with them still on the phone use your other phone to call them to make to confirm or deny that they've been kidnapped i had no idea that this was a thing, but apparently a lot of uh, people in uh, Mexico walking around with two cell phones. I just thought that was an interesting random thing. Um, but the last thing I want to close on with, uh, close out with is, you know, I'm always talking about emotions and feelings. And, and I know when I grew up as a kid, nobody's really talking about this. But for, for those of you and for those of us who are struggling 
with uh, expressing pain, hurt, and discomfort. Uh, another way to get into that language, uh, another way to, to ask about that is to say, do you feel different? And to give it context, my my friend was a, uh, a chiropractor, or not a chiropractor, acupuncturist. She said that she found that when she was putting needles in people, that a lot of people had a hard time admitting that something, that one of the needles hurt or that there was pain in a certain area from the needle. And so she found that instead of saying, uh, do, you, do you feel any pain? Do you feel any hurt? To either say, does it hurt? That way it's not, um, they're not, you're not saying that they're, you're, you're, you're detaching them. It's like an objective way of, viewing the emotion versus saying, I'm in pain, you're saying, this is in pain, this spot is painful, versus saying, I'm in pain. Nobody wants to say that they're in pain, right? Um, it's it's more, uh, it's a little less of a character. Um, uh, Jesus, where are my words? So, it's a, it's, if you say, I'm in pain, it's more your character, versus saying, it's in pain, you're talking about the location. So same thing with your, with your kids, if you're trying to ask them about if something hurts or bothers them, to say, hey, did that feel different than uh, such and such? Uh, or does this side feel different than the other side? Like with your shoulder mobility, like my left side feels different than my right side in terms of uh, uh, tightness and and so, oh, if there's a difference then, then I know that it's not, it needs to be adjusted uh, and, and that it, there is asymmetrical versus being symmetrical on both sides. So even in, a, in your uh, conversation or if you get in an argument, um, instead of saying, oh, that really hurt me, be like, wow, I feel really different right now. You know, uh, I, I, feel, I feel completely different now than... I did when we first met or I did when we had our conversation yesterday and that might be a smoother entryway into talking or <coughs> excuse me talking about emotions uh, um, even if your kid falls and they see their knee is scraped and says saying does that knee hurt be like does this knee feel different than the other knee you know that kind of thing so the, it's Remember, it's about how we are communicating with each other, right? And because there's so many different ways, there's so many, we have, we have trillions of words. We have trillions of ways to describe things and, and get into things and, and, and to phrase things and we can move words around. And it's, it's as simple as going from I to it. Um, and, and I know you're like, that sounds ridiculous, but on Facebook, they used to have this drop down menu, uh, where it said, I, oh, so oh, on Facebook with the photos, they, they had the photos where, uh, you know, people would tag in photos and you would hate the photo. So you would, you would, uh, click to get the, the tag removed. 
And if you wanted the tag removed uh, of your name on the photo, then it would ask you, um, uh, why do you want it removed? And the first one would be, because it's not you. And then the second one would be, because I'm embarrassed. And what they found is nobody would ever click, I am embarrassed. They would type in other and be like, it's embarrassing. So nobody wants to admit that they were embarrassed, but they, they had no problem saying that it's an embarrassing photo, meaning like it's all about the photo, it has nothing to do about me. And so then they changed the question from, I'm embarrassed, to it's embarrassing, and then people started clicking on, it's embarrassing. And so that just goes back to when we are communicating with each other, be try to be aware of if you're using I you statements because then people feel like it's more about them and their character versus uh, saying it's right or this feels different things like that where you're allowing them to be more objective and detached from the pain from the hurt from the feelings of discomfort um, so I'm going to leave you with that I thank you once again for tuning in I thank you for sharing the podcast. I, I apologize for uh, being a little uh, loopy and not sharp, but I promise you the the uh, <laughs> the next episode. You know what? This episode is enough, Leo Flowers. Uh, you did great. I'm so proud of you. You stayed up late. You're a trooper. See, this is me patting myself on the back for this. You're a one-man show. You're a rock star. You're killing it. You are all killing it. Remember, this episode is not a replacement for talking to someone for calling the 1-800 number. That is always linked in the show notes. Uh, The Trevor Project, the um, the Teen Suicide Hotline. You can there's there's phone numbers you can text. There, like I said, there are online support groups. Talk to someone. Talk to a stranger. Talk to someone on the elevator. Just tell them on the elevator. I had somebody on the elevator tell me they were getting a divorce. And I'm like, damn, we only went three floors. I can't imagine, excuse me, if we had 50 floors, like what else you would have divulged, you know? So people want to talk and they want to share and um, and they want to connect, most importantly. So know that you have value. Know that you're not a burden. You're a bonus. And uh, we will talk to you again very soon. Bye.